Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas. Today we are interviewing David Hernley of M3. Woo! Now, normally what happens right now, David, oh yeah, you can say welcome. Yes. <laughs> hello. Welcome. My name's Amanda. My name's Errol. I'm Ruby. I'm Mike. <laughs> he has soup. I'm usually last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm usually not first. Um, so. We do a podcast on everything room escapes, escape rooms, and today, as Amanda said, we have David Hernley, and so we're excited to have him on. Hello, David. Hello, everyone. Yay! Yay. Now, now the cool thing is, is that David runs soft, uh, writes software that helps run, that helps run escape rooms. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if people can hear in the background. I don't know what they're doing in the kitchen. It right sounds now. like they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're, <sharpening laughs> they're just clanging all the utensils. <laughs> So it's going to be fun, although I haven't heard the bird in a while. What do you mean? It's been chirping it's beside been, my ear this whole time. Yeah. Oh, I also tried to turn off the fan, but it's still Oh, going. I came back. I what? Don't know, I don't know how this fan <laughs> it works. It did stop. I thought it stopped. So, we're, so David, we're starting this <laughs> off with the most chaos <laughs> as per you can oh. possibly see. I was going to say, like, so normal, right? Oh, okay, you're right. There goes the bird again. Okay, we're all good. And okay. back to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of editing. <laughs> Why? That was a lot of fun. Okay. You always want to take out the fun bits, man, pants. Yeah. Again, Mike and Ruby are back, and that's exciting. And you're done. Almost everything, aren't you, Ruby? I'm done my certificate, yes. Yes. And so that means you're you're less busy, maybe. Yes, unless I decide to take up other projects. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Ruby. Yay. You are, although I think in the next couple episodes, I think you're way off aren't you what are you doing sorry because you said you're busy for the next two months oh right now i'm eating breakfast breakfast, i'm doing a lot of podcast recording for my other podcast okay oh he's off on his other podcast that's what you're trying to fish weren't you actually no i couldn't remember why you were so busy but now I know it's because he no longer likes us. Uh, fish, 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 fish. <laughs> troll, I'm troll, troll, troll. Because I'm going to be going off to LA. Mm, and so that's all right. exciting. Then I think that will be a podcast just of me complaining about. No, I won't complain. It'll be a lot of fun because I am going to go and meet a num- number of enthusiasts no, as well. Now that you have your 13 things I hate about escape rooms yes. article. Yeah, well, that will be another podcast <laughs> as well. Sounds like a movie. I know. <laughs> Things I hate about escape rooms. Yeah. There oh. you go. We could have done that. I, mm. I dropped my pop filter. Anyway, enough preamble. <laughs> that was the, that's the <laughs> most David's preamble. Poor David. No, it's not the most. We're only at like three minutes. All of our other okay. preambles went on for like 10 that's minutes. That's true. Yolanda's was quite long. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what we were talking about. K-pop. K-pop. K-pop, right. yeah. And your love for it BTS. Like 30 minutes of K-pop That's podcast. okay. It's going to be even worse because... David and I share a lot of the same interests. Uh oh. Oh. Like eighties? I don't know. (laughs) Guilty. Guilty as charged. Oh boy. Oh no. And so and so we'll start from the beginning. Do you Mm -hmm. want to explain a bit more about what your software does, David? Yeah, ultimately it's uh you know, you you said it's escape room control software that's used for the traditional stuff, uh you know, the room timer clues. But also a lot of your integrated hardware, um, you know, props, triggers, maglocks, all, all the techie stuff that you're starting to finally see in, you know, escape rooms over the last few years. The idea being that you have one piece of software that can handle all aspects. But uh, what we kind of came into this from, uh, oddly enough, was the simulation market. I, uh, I actually write simulation software, a game called Starship Horizons that got used in an escape room last year. Oh, which uh, escape room? Uh, live action escapes out of uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, they contacted me about this, and and I'm not kidding. This is early last year. They asked about using the simulator for an escape room. I said, "What's an escape room?" Oh wow! <laughs> so I was one of those people. I, I I quickly learned, but as he and I were going through and setting it up, we were realizing very quickly that all the stuff that the simulator does and all the hardware integration I already had for lighting and control and all the other stuff that simulators normally do, all the techie stuff, um, was already there, and all the event system and triggers and everything you need to do for normally for escape rooms was also already there. So he and I both were like, you know what? Uh, you need to look at this a little differently. And so I did. Uh, started working with local escape rooms in my area. I'm out of uh, roughly Virginia Beach, Virginia. 
so on the, the mid-Atlantic coast, as they say, and started working with local escape rooms last year on what became M3 Mythric Mystery Master, which you have to say six times fast. <laughs> when you um, told me M3, I was so relieved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and you know what? We chose that name somewhat intentionally because it is hard to say and it, it kind of rolls off people's tongues a little bit. People tend to remember it as a result. It's kind of an intentional ploy, if you will. But M3, everybody calls it M3. Mm-hmm. M3. Why Mythric? That is my company name, actually. Mythric Studios. Yes, I, I was noticing that. And I noticed any... I, I also noticed there were a lot of uh, Roblox users named Mythric. I don't know if... That seems to be the biggest hit when I did a Google on it. Are you into Roblox? Or is that somebody else that just took it? <laughs> that's, somebody, that's somebody more recent, actually. Oh, Mythric wow. is... Roblox yeah. is very popular then. So why did you choose the name Mythric? I chose it about 20 years ago, actually. Um, I'm, as you noted, I'm a gamer from way back. Board gamer, video gamer, every kind of gamer I, I pretty much am. Uh, you know, Auric, my uh, nickname that everybody tends to call me, came from my D&D days in the 80s. But Mythric came out of that as well. So myth, mythical, mythical, Mythric is where it really came from back uh, again. In the 90s is when I started uh, creating games and a few other things. Got really creative with my uh, development kung fu. <laughs> so David's a huge nerd. Yeah, you were just trying yeah. to find a gateway into that. <laughs> So you could start oh, talking oh, D&D. Oh, I'm card-carrying, folks. <laughs> like, he's like a huge nerd. Yeah. Very taunting. I'm, I'm actually on the board of directors, uh, just so you know. You, you, that, it, it probably sounds like a taunt, but Errol looks so excited right now. <laughs> oh, no, he knows that I know that he's... Oh, I know. I know, I'm telling the I'm audience. Huge nerd, yeah, but the audience. And we're all like, just like... I think if we were in high school, I think the other three people would have beaten us up here because we were huge (laughs) nerds. I no, I no, No, just you, Errol. (laughs) I'd be okay with David. Okay, yeah, it's true. That is true. I was not cool in high school. (laughs) Sherman pants. You were all going, "Hello, everybody," with your sunglasses, and I know you. No, my name is Man Pants. But Errol, you know, you know, you you haven't learned the one thing: you never go full nerd. No. (laughs) <laughs> well, you don't tell anybody. There you go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so he was showing me pictures of um, so David was showing me pictures. You actually have no idea how much David and I have talked, but Oh good. Oh good. Yeah. <laughs> showing me all these wonderful nerdy pictures of him at um was it an was it an Origins conference or was it just a e uh, gaming conference? No, that oh those pictures that was from E3 1997 uh, way back. E3 back in the day. You went oh, before yeah. it was cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, he has a picture with uh, Rafe Coaster. If you remember, we did. I don't know if I pronounced his name correctly. Rafe Coaster. Rafe Coaster. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think I pronounced it correctly in the podcast. But no, not not three days, three or four podcasts later, <laughs> completely forgot. Yeah, yeah. He used to work at Origin back in the day, and uh, he he wanted to work on a lot of MMOs. Uh, good guy. So Origin is a game company, and they were responsible for games like Ultima. If oh, okay. That. Yeah, I remember Ultima. Ultima yeah, and so on. David had played a lot of those games. Was involved with a lot, like you know, hung out with all of the. He just does all sorts of things. Anyway. You could tell about your background about gaming and how you got into all of this. That'd be kind of cool. Into Starship Simulator and whatnot. Sure. Well, and uh, as I've already kind of detailed, that kind of led me obviously into escape rooms. As you said, I'm a you know I'm a big nerd uh, and uh, have been all my life. Big Star Wars, Star Trek fan growing up, and I've been a developer all my life. My dad was a you know a hardware um, developer on mainframes back in the '60s and '70s, so I grew up around that, uh, and. Uh, I was a uh, huge fan of Star Trek and all the the naval simulation battles they you know they would do in the uh, you know the Kobayashi Maru and all that and the Wrath of Khan and I always wanted to kind of recreate that so I could have my own bridge again giant nerd in the nineties uh, when I started version one of Mythric uh, I actually started creating a game uh, that ended up being Horizons but in the nineties the technology wasn't really there. Uh, you know, I worked on it for about six months, put it on the shelf, and it was just like, yeah, you know, I, I really want to be able to do this, but I it just wasn't able to. Fast forward uh, to uh, around 2012, and I heard about this game called Artemis. And went and looked, I son of a gun, somebody actually pulled it off. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and was excited, played it, had fun, but 
it wasn't what I wanted. Oh, and yeah. And so I, I dusted off my Horizons concept, uh, pulled it back out of mothballs, and built that. Uh, and it's uh, something we're still working on, always adding stuff to it. Like you said, I'm a big giant nerd, and I, I'm I I, uh, I do game nights every Thursday night for board gaming, and I, I may or may not have almost 30 arcade machines in my garage. Whoa. <laughs> that's super exciting. <laughs> I want to come to your house. I do en- I do enjoy that when we have the guests that, like, because we share that, like, half the reason we create something is because it's like, well, I think mine could be better. Or it's like, <laughs> it's like I, I want to do something I want to do. What board game yeah. are you playing currently at your board game night? <laughs> Uh, you know, it, we have uh, about five or six of us that are regulars, and uh, almost every week it's something new because there's so many Kickstarters and so many new board games. We're practically playing a new. You know, the rule sheets are out every week, and we spend the first hour learning the game. Yeah. <laughs> we we you just know. finished Seventh Continent. We're kind of happy about that because it was oh. going on for like seven sessions. Or it something. was longer than seven. <laughs> it, was, sessions. it was longer than seven. Yeah. So how many times did you actually have to restart though? We didn't, but we did play a lot of things wrong at the beginning. Yeah. And so yeah. that we learned all the way throughout. And then we actually played the game like three sessions longer than we should have because we forgot to apply a symbol that added a number. And so we were so stuck near the end and had to look it up. And then we realized, oh, no, we didn't do that symbol thing. Yeah, we were getting to the this isn't fun anymore point. So we <laughs> cheated a bit on the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, been there, been there. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're excited because our next game is we're doing the detective game. What's that one called? It was. Uh, I think it's just called Detective. Is it called Detective? That's also <laughs> was kickstarted as well. Mm. I'm not too mm. sure. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. I'm really excited about board <laughs> yeah. games. So going back to your software, um, and which and... one? The Starship Simulator? No, no. The <laughs> the actual escape room one oh, on our okay. escape podcast. Or we can talk about the Starship. Because you've been one. developing the Starship Simulator for how long? You mentioned it was like for. A few years. Artemis came out in what nine, eight years ago? How long ago? Or is that too but long? I think I think it's about twenty twelve. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it's around then. Oh, okay. So it's about six years ago. Six years ago. Yeah, give or take. I started mine in uh, late twenty twelve. Right at, like I said, right after I played it, I was sitting in a makerspace, a friend's makerspace locally, and I said, you know what? I think I'm gonna pull my project out of mothballs. And and they said what? And 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 do something like Artemis. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're crazy, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, thank you. Um, But yeah, so no, Horizons I've been working on since uh, late 2012, and it's been a passion project. So it's something we've kind of just done on the side. But over over the last year, it's been primarily working on M3. Uh, That has has really grown leaps and bounds um, in terms of... uh, what we're seeing from people in terms of the the rooms that are running it, they're actually now looking at their rooms in a very different way because now they have this kind of tool where they can do more than they ever could before. So it's making them think of how could they create puzzles and interactivity and different endings and, and create all these different things uh, with rooms where they didn't necessarily have the ability to do that before. That's really what's exciting me because I want to play those rooms. One thing you mentioned to me that I found really interesting was that you don't call them like simulations or anything you or like the whatever uh, you call them stories right and uh, because we see that while you know escape room is the the term everybody uses right but we are seeing experiences that it might be an hour long but it's not necessarily you're trying to escape anything it's just you know you're experiencing something for an hour and so we're trying to stay away from just calling it outright you know room or escape or this that or the other um, so we call them stories. They have prologues and epilogues, and you can you know create events around all those different things. And like I was saying, you can create different branching endings. And we support all the common stuff. You know the the quote unquote room timer screen that you might have in the room with the time and the clues that sends text and video and images and stuff. That you know the common fare. But we're really encouraging rooms to go beyond that um, and try to create more interactive ways to still include the time and how clues are delivered, but do it in a more immersive way. One room that we work with, uh, they do the traditional three clues, but instead of it being the the clue symbols on the screen, if you will, we worked with them and they have three candles on a shelf that when you come in and you start, they're lit. As you ask for a clue, they go out one by one. Oh, cool. So it's, you know, 
keeping with the theme and keeping them informed, but not really breaking that wall, if you will. That's pretty cool. I like that, yeah. There you go. You're the tech guy, Mike, so you could probably ask all sorts of tech kind of questions. Yeah. I, I, actually, I have a question. Is it Do a lot of those uh, escape room running software things stick to like three clues? Or I don't, I don't even know. I know that was... I know the ones that I've seen... Uh, who are the ones out there? I don't even know what, what other ones are out there. We, we don't I know a lot know. about tech. <laughs> I should know. Well, let's start with the basic question. Like, yeah. Because there are still a lot of Gen 1 rooms, why would a software like this be important? Oh, excellent questions. So, And we actually have a lot of rooms that have no tech. So uh, they use it for, again, the, the basic room timer uh, screen. So they can have that in the room. But also, we do something completely differently. Uh, we came at this from, again, like I said, a different angle coming from the simulation side. But I looked at it as how can I help not only the player experience and give the facilities an ability to make really cool rooms, but how do you keep the Game Master sane in the process? Literally, when we set out to do this, uh, a local escape room, and I'll uh, mention them as Escape to Win down in Virginia Beach, uh, didn't really have any software. Uh, I got to know them really well, and I said, hey, look, I'm working on this thing. What do you think? Can we work with you on it. And they said, absolutely, let's do this. And so uh, we started, we installed M3 and we started working on it last year. And my wife and I would go on Saturdays, Saturday mornings and stay there until closing and run the rooms on the system. We would game master. So we would take them into the room, do the spiel, walk them through everything, take them out of the room, do everything top to bottom. And at the end of the day, you know, I've got my checklist. Okay, this is great. That sucked. This could be better because I'm using my own system, you know, taking my own medicine, if you will. And so with the Game Master side of things, you actually can create an objective list, which is all the things they have to do in the room, the puzzles, the clues, the maglocks, whatever, right? And those can be automated or not. But going back to your question about for a Gen 1 room, what would this do? They can cleanly keep track of, let's say there's 10 things they have to do to escape, right? They can check off manually as they get through it so they know clearly where that player is. And any clues they might send are contextually attached to each objective. So it's really cleanly defined for the, for the game master. And in rooms where you might have uh, one game master monitoring multiple rooms or you might have to swap, you know, sometimes game masters will say, hey, can you watch this room? I've got to go do something real quick. Because you've got that checklist, Everyone knows exactly where the players are, so you don't get into that whole, hey, uh, did you guys open that box? Um, did you do that already? <laughs> uh, yeah. So was you know. it, so do you, I take it, it takes camera feeds as well, maybe? Not yet. Natively, we don't do camera feeds. Uh, we, uh, yeah. No, we're adding that and audio, actually, uh, early next year. I remember when I, the only room I've ever game mastered, because I'm not a game master, <laughs> so I've actually never seen that side of things, except once. And it was one of those rooms that said, hey, bring your friends, and for free, you can game master them. And I thought, oh, that'd be really yeah, fun. If you've already played the if room. If you've already played the room. Yeah. And I had already played the room. And so they were there also game mastering, but I was there and I could help out. And they showed me everything that they did. And it was neat because they did the same thing. They actually had a layout of the room. And then they had all the puzzles and what needed to be solved. And as each person solved it, or as each... Because there, it was like a split room, open path thing, and as each person or each group solved different puzzles, they would mark it off so that they knew where everybody was. And I thought, oh, and they did all this on a piece of paper and on a clipboard, <laughs> and they would write things down. They would also write down quotes of other what other people would say, so they could bring it up later on. So that was actually kind of fun as well. Do you have that in your software? We can write down notes and quotes. Well, that's on the to-do list now. Yay! <laughs> nice. An embarrassing quote section. Embarrassing quotes. Most yeah. valuable player. But that's cool, though, that you that you got to test out your software in an actual... Like, you had that time to be able to... You actually get a feel for how an escape room works and how the players flow through it as well. Oh, yeah. And we still will occasionally go over there as I do new features and updates and do the exact same thing. 
because no matter what I think might be cool or might work well, until you actually get it in a facility and you actually get players involved and all the all the randomness that goes with that, you just won't. <laughs> so uh, just just to go along with the previous question, of course. So we're talking about gen. We were talking about Gen One rooms, but let's talk about like more invested in rooms where people have started to put in a lot of different hardware, as we spoke before, mag locks, audio cues, those kind of things. Why would a software like this be good to have in that kind of system versus, you know, just individual components? Override control, dynamic control. So you, there are systems out there where you, you'll create um, a fully closed system, and you know, there's a lot of those that exist. Uh, but sometimes uh, what I, we've run into a lot of times is they want to be able to have discrete control. And it's not that anything's working, not working in the room, but it might be based on the player's actions. They want to dynamically trigger something right? A particular event on the fly, they want to be able to happen so that it feels organic with the players rather than being pre-programmed uh, is the most common thing we see. And then also I would imagine if something breaks <laughs> and, then, and then you could just trigger it. Always have overrides. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing that I always worried about these kind of softwares is let's say that it's a central central control. Uh, well, that's basically what it is, a central control area. And let's say the software goes down. Somebody hacked it. Well, not well, not even hacked it. Let's just say that let's just say that that this computer or whatever it is is off. You can't turn it on because it's on Windows. Uh, yeah, whatever it is. So then, what's it's on Windows Vista. Yeah. <laughs> so what would the contingency be for that kind of thing? And actually, we have a lot of rooms that do exactly kind of what you're talking about. They'll have some level of you know PLC or hardware integration in the room that is is more or less self-contained. But it is network aware, so it can talk to software like M3, and M3 can keep control of it. Now, one thing we do, uh, and I didn't mention this, but M3 runs locally. So it's installed at the facility. So internet's not required. You know, so if your internet goes out, you're not you know, up the creek, if you will. But additionally, uh, the uh, the software is set up so that if you have your room timers in there and the timers are going, and somewhat, like you said, somebody pulls the plug on the server, something happens, Windows doesn't update. Yay. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. that would um, be horrible. <laughs> if any of that happens, the individual clients become aware that the server is offline and take over the timers so that the players feel like nothing's happened. And if you get the M3 server back online, you, you turn things back on, uh, you know, Windows is done with its update, whatever. M3 is also developed to pick back up where it left off. So it'll see games are in progress. This is what's going on. Okay, this is where I need to catch up. And it'll act like nothing happened. Although we all have to admit that Windows Update takes longer than an escape room. Yes. <laughs> Especially those creators updates that are like, what, a day? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. So there is that failsafe there that if the server's down, they all still go on as autonomous maglocks. <laughs> Life goes on. <laughs> I think one of the other interesting things that software like this allows for is stats collecting because, of course, you're not doing paper and pen when you're, you're making these checklists and such. So you can kind of track progress of these groups and you can also track, I guess, uh, how many people are, are finishing rooms and at what point they're also finishing because it's all digital. And also right. when they run into obstacles or which puzzles seem more frustrating. So it's yeah. oh, good wait, for data so mining. Do you, does your software do that? Do you like keep track of how long a puzzle takes to be solved and how many minutes and how many people and things like that? Uh, I'd just like to say the check's in the mail. Thanks for the segue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, actually, it does exactly that. Oh. Uh, so we track each objective uh, when it was completed relative to the start of the room as well as relative to the completion of the previous objective. So how long in between? Uh, we also track, and this is something that we're, we're really proud of, is how many times you used a clue on a particular objective. So statistically, you can see, okay, 80% of the time you're giving clues for this objective. That might be a little hard. What we do is actually there's a, a whole statistical page that shows you each of your objectives and what your clue ratio is for each one. Mm. Oh, nice. That's mm. cool. For, yeah. Now, something that, and I want to be clear for those listening, this is not available today. This is something we're kind of teasing that's going to be available in a later build, uh, but it's called the narrative. And what you can do is on each objective, and this is the, the facilities would do this, they would create a essentially a blurb, like if you were reading it in a novel, of what happened when they solved that particular objective, right? You know, we did this and then the, the, uh, the bookcase opened to our surprise or something like that, right? The software is then going to stitch each of those together in order that they completed them, 
with phrases like, it took us a while, but finally we da-da-da-da. Or if they solved it back-to-back very quickly because we know statistically how quickly they did it, it's going to intelligently stitch a story together. And should an escape room want to, they're going to be able to either send a PDF or print essentially their experience, their narrative, and give it to the players. Well, that's kind Mm. of fun. That is fun. (laughs) So technically, would you say that the software is able to detect like player sentiments and then kind of learn from it or no? I would say that's a uh, not quite that, but certainly trends in terms of the, you know, like with the objectives, what the tendency is, you know, especially if you have branching rooms that maybe start out where you could do four or five things and then they narrow down towards the end, right? Which ones tend to get solved first and see the tendencies there? Yeah, I guess if, it, if an objective is taking a long time, that might prompt a narrative like, you know, it got frustrating, but blah, 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 blah. Uh, we are actually adding as part of that, that narrative concept uh, a room mechanic. So you'll actually be able to set an event. You can create a little, uh, you know, a macro, if you will, that if a particular objective is taking more than a certain amount of time, you can trigger other things. So you can automatically say, okay, it's been 10 minutes. They haven't figured this out yet. Trigger an automatic uh, effect in the room. Like if they're supposed to be looking at the bookcase and they're not looking at the frickin' bookcase, you know, trick trigger a light, not not cinema text clue, just trigger a light or something that highlights the bookcase. You know, again, that interactivity that you, I always love to see. Or you could have the bookcase rattle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or a book fall yeah. from it. Oh, no. Or have it pick it up. It, and it. Yeah. Or an audio clue that's from, coming from the bookcase, like, over here, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get more obvious. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. cool. Wow. Yeah. So it's able to, right now, it's able to tell if they're taking too long on a puzzle? Knows that today, we're, we're adding the ability for you to trigger events based on that. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Again, I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your first escape room? Uh, it was a franchise room that uh, I will uh, remain nameless. And I had a good time. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed it, and that was my first experience. And I did a, a, a museum. I'll simply say that. <laughs> okay. Uh, caper. I enjoyed it, but then I my second escape room was uh, Escape to Win, which is the one I mentioned that we've been working with. Uh, and that paradigm shift of experience went from, hey, this is neat, to I get it. This is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Because you know they attend, they paid attention to immersion and the, like the how the room was fully decorated and properly, you know, environmentally set up, and they had done some nice things with how uh, you the player integrated with the game master in the room. Now, and the, and this is uh, where the game master is outside the room, but they did some nice things where it just it felt right, and then suddenly I that was really when I was hooked. Because I had a proper experience. So it was kind of lucky then that you were willing to go back after having your first enjoyable but okay-ish experience and that you were willing to try it again with a, with a better one. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, when I first did it, I thought it was great. But then my expectations changed. And uh, I have to admit, I've, I'm still fairly low in the number of escape rooms. I, you know, I haven't done 50 yet. But uh, I even after like my fourth or fifth room, I, I my became myself my own diva. Um, <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm I'm a big Disney junkie too. So I mean, I, we're my wife and family and I we go down to Disney all the time, and so I pay attention to how they deal with immersion. And you know, Disney even takes the time to where the queue lines waiting to go on a ride are interactive and interesting and keep your attention, you know? So when I go into an escape room, I take that kind of, I'll say it, I'll take that biased with me to a degree. Oh, you should. I think, and and I think that's one of the biggest hurdles when it comes to set design is that for anybody that's been to Disney, you'll be compared against that. And that's an, an immersion for immersion and for set design, you're going up against Disney and they do it. (laughs) <laughs> they do it amazingly. Flawlessly. Yeah. Pretty they much. also have Flawlessly. <laughs> yeah. an unlimited wallet to yeah, do they all do. that. They do have an unlimited <laughs> wallet. So every time somebody tries to ask me what I think about the set design, and I'm not as impressed, even though it might be impressive to a lot of people, is because I'm still in the back of my mind comparing it to Disney. Whereas when we do puzzle design, I don't have anything to compare that to. <laughs> kind of. Des- about. Designers take notes. <laughs> And I guess for me, just from a, as a player, you know, the, the immersion's a big thing for me. That's a, like, probably, oddly, that's probably number one even more than the puzzles. Where I do get really cranky 
is the puzzles if the puzzle has nothing to do with the room. Yes. <laughs> yep. That that sends me kind of over the okay. Eh, eh. You you guys do it. I, I'm going to stand over here. <laughs> well, that's what Errol does. That's what I do yeah. in most rooms, actually. Yeah, yeah. Right. that way. Yeah. I, I did this haunted hotel that was supposed to be in like the 1920s, and there was a Sudoku puzzle in there. Yeah, oh no! And it was like, it was like what? <laughs> Sorry. So. In the 1920s, uh, again. when Sudoku was all the rage. <laughs> you don't know. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> when was Sudoku created? And so being someone with a huge gaming background, and you did say that you got involved a lot with D&D and, and such things like that. It was interesting because people who we've talked to in the past, whenever they would make games or they decided to start making escape room kind of events a lot of them a lot of the people usually would have backgrounds in D campaigning or anything like that and it's like oh right because you wanted to bring that experience into an escape room i don't know have you ever created one i know you've made the software but have you have have you ever created one or have had designs to create one uh, a room specifically yes or an experience yeah. doesn't even have to be a room maybe it's like a a month-long experience <laughs> Escape room. Okay, I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. Just a that's Errol's dream. That's a dream, yes. Well, uh, two-part answer. Uh, first of all, I am actually helping with a room locally. At a, again, at Escape to Win. I'm plugging them like cra- crazy, apparently. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> to send you the uh, check now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But uh, no, they're working on a sci-fi room, uh, and uh, they enlisted my help because of my background with Horizons and that simulator to help them create that experience. So uh, I have finally delved into uh, escape room design. And it's, it's fun, exciting, and hair-pulling all at the same time. The other part of that is talking about experiences. That's really where Horizons came from, the simulator, because I wanted to experience that with my friends in a real live environment. So you can have that experience where the captain's there and the ship shows up with all the weapons armed and getting ready to fire at you. And the captain's like, oh, my God, raise shields. No, 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 no. Go, go, go. You know, that would and be everybody's neat. panicking and screaming and yelling and, and yelling at each other because something's going wrong. And, you know, you know what friends do. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always thought it'd be really interesting. And this is really something that would be very difficult to pull off. But when I first did Artemis and I had a fun time with Artemis, but there was an awful lot of sitting in Artemis. And I thought to myself, you know, it'd be really cool if it was more involved. So it was like a Star Trek episode where all of a sudden, wait, nobody's, I mean, not that there's nobody at the transporter at the moment, but you know, you might have to run down to engineering or you <laughs> might have an away mission or something like that. So are you going to turn your house into a starship simulator? <laughs> so that it would be a completely involved kind of uh, mission. Make where, a Jeffrey's tube. Where, yeah, where it would be, it'd be really cool if you could do that. But right now, I mean, I'm, I'm still although okay with just the spaceship simulator but if it could be you know a whole mission simulator that'd be mm. amazing i think the closest thing is uh sorry star trek vr or whatever i saw a let's play of that and that's about yeah, as close as I, you can get vr i meant like in yeah. real life i know so what you're gonna say david <laughs> i was gonna say are you sitting down errol yes i am we have people that have built bridges in their homes to do exactly that yeah that'd Aww. be amazing <laughs> We haven't done it yet, but we've had we do a lot of conventions. Uh, we do, the largest one we do is called Magfest, the Music and Gaming Festival, in mm-hmm. uh, early January, and uh, outside of Washington D.C. And we actually run six bridges there for a, it's a twenty four hour con, so they run from Thursday to Sunday for hour long experiences, kind of like an escape room. You know, you get an hour, you go on three, four, five missions that all kind of chain together for your story. Uh, but we've had players that wanted us to do like a 24-hour mission, um, <laughs> and so we haven't done it yet. But we are we're, we're toying with the idea uh, where you would have 24 hours, and then you say you'd have shifts. Oh. So you know the midnight shift would turn over to the morning shift, and you would do like an actual crew roster and let the mission continue through the night. Uh, but our uh, Horizons engine already supports structured missions because I'm an old, like we talked about it, I'm an old fan of like X-Wing and Wing Commander and the the original Elite and even Star Control 1 and 2. X-Wing and I love... Cry. I think we talked about this before. No. X-Wing. Well, I've talked with David about it before. Oh, okay. Why did you very cry? Because this was a very difficult game. It was horribly difficult. I, it was, yeah. Awake. But rewarding. Pardon? 
rewarding. Rewarding. It was very rewarding. But, you know, escort missions I hate with a passion. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually already have one of, one of those. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, but, I interrupted. Please keep going. No, no, it's okay. Uh, so, no, but with our mission structure, uh, which is what gave way to the whole escape room architecture, is you can create very specific things like, you know, again, convoys, uh, escort missions, you know, scanning scientific missions where you have to scan ships and find the enemy, communication missions where you, you're mo- you're mainly doing talks back and forth with other ships, talking smack and demanding all of their cargo with their cheese, you know, things like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, we, we actually, and this is not a joke. We actually had uh, a few years ago a uh, really live—I'll say lively late night crew that may have been partaking. Okay, uh, that was playing, and the captain out of nowhere, uh, there was a friendly ship that was in the area, and he said, "Communications, hail them and demand all of their cheese. If they don't turn it over, open fire." And they blew the poor ship out of the water because there was no cheese on board. Oh, no. Wow. So, so we added cheese to the universe. So. <laughs> you know, that'd be kind of cool if you had an escape room. Or... There's no eggs. Well, no. Well, the eggs are cool, too. But, you know, you could have, like, a replicator, like in Subnautica's replicator. Oh, everyone's And then Subnautica. you could choose different things, and then it would create it for you. And, like, you could have that in real life. I Wouldn't think... that be kind of fun in an escape room? It would be super fun if it was it's physically possible. Possible. <laughs> well, I mean, you would have like stuff that you could already make. So, uh-huh. you know, you won't let them say anything. I would like to have, I don't know, a hat, a fedora that's pink and with macaroni in it. You know, that'd be insane. But if you had like a set things that they could create and, and then, then it build like things. comes out a door or something, yeah. but it's done. Oh. <laughs> go, Designers take notes. <laughs> make a replicator. <laughs> That would be cool, though. I, I second that notion. Oh, that'd be yeah. kind of no, neat. No, it would be neat. And then you would have to build it to make a puzzle. Sorry, you'd have to. Break, you can make different aspects to make a puzzle. Oh, like you know, uh, like you know, like a three D printer on steroids. I mean, that's what a replicator is. But still, that'd be fun. Anyway, I got I lost track of what we were talking about. Uh, we were we were talking about the bridge simulators <laughs> and that and how David keeps trying to bring it back to escape rooms, like that it was the building block for escape rooms. Then you're like, yo, it'd be cool. <laughs> Become Errol's dreaming hour. <laughs> we need more of those. those are- I, I'm sure I'm not helping though. It's okay. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So you mentioned to me before that you you went to Transworld last year, I think, and you oh you did, and you and that that was kind of like a big, like your did big we debut go last year. We did, oh. yeah. <laughs> but we went on the day before all the floors opened up and stuff, oh. all the trade floors and stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I I actually went to uh, I've been to two. I didn't go to last year's. I went to I went to the Trans World in St. Louis, like the big haunt show oh, that has haunt one. Yeah. yeah, that has the escape room city there. That was kind of our public unveiling, if you will, because we, we were already at a bunch of escape rooms, but we weren't really marketing and weren't really out there. So that was our big, you know, hello to the world. Most people walking by going, I've never heard of you. What is this? You know, um, which is why you go to those things. And we were just at the Room Escape Conference in Nashville, uh, right across from the Room Escape Artists. Oh, fun. Uh, nice. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had talked to David and Lisa online, and he said, make sure you look us up when we get there. And so we're setting up the booth, and they, he's setting up his booth. And I was like, I'd say hi, but it's a long walk. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a very positive response from the escape rooms you've worked with and that? that. Absolutely. You know, and we're still, this M3, we have a, a nice roadmap of things, and I've teased some things like the nar- uh, narrative and things that we're going to be doing. But what we already tried to do is help escape rooms that aren't necessarily tech savvy, help them bridge that gap, uh, you know, with how hardware is integrated into M3. And that's actually something we're very proud of because of that simulation background. We already integrate with things like uh, any kind of network device, like a Pi or an Arduino, but also you know, Z-Wave, Philips Hue, DMX, uh, PLCs. We natively support them. Uh, all of that is built in out of the box. And so rooms that maybe have already have a PLC, but don't have that software kind of nuanced control where they can do some dynamic generation of content like I was talking about, uh, or rooms that are Gen 1s that want to be Gen 2s and 3s, right? They want to kind of bridge the gap. This allows them to start clean and add as they need to um, through M3. Do you find that there's a lot of um, requests for a particular type of data to be captured? For instance, like 
the sentiments or the frustration levels or the time it takes, as you mentioned? I would say that's an interesting question. Uh, what we've seen most out of statistics is completion time. And I, I don't mean like victory of the room. I mean, like we were talking about with objectives. How long is it taking for that? Um, also, uh, start times. We, we actually also integrate with... Um, a few booking softwares today, and we're going to be adding as we can, but uh, we already integrate with like Bookio and Fair Harbor. And so we know if, if this room's supposed to start at 6.15 and the session starts at like 7.18, we keep that statistically. So we can see, we've actually had rooms that are really curious to see the owners, hey, how good are we at starting on time? Right? And we all know what the reality is, right? Because th- you tell players to show up 15 minutes beforehand, but they show up on time to start the room and they haven't even done the waivers yet, right? So it's... <laughs> I show up a half an hour to hour early. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, you mentioned, too, that the software, like, yeah, you mentioned waivers, that the software helps out with the waiver process. What about the, the reset process that the Game Master has to do? Or is there one? And does it kind of help, you know, automate some of those things as well? Yeah, so uh, a couple things. One, uh, we actually keep in the system, you can track a checklist with pictures of what the room reset is. So if you're an escape room that has a lot of game masters, like a lot of summer help, right? New game masters, you can actually see a visual checklist and the software automatically, when the room ends, will switch over to the checklist for the the game master if they need it with pictures of like, okay, this prop needs to go there. I need to make sure I reset this maglock and and what the sequences of events. But additionally, if, the, if you have automation in the room, like, again, like mag locks or puzzles that can be re-triggered to reset, things like that, the software, when the room is complete, you can set up an event and say, okay, uh, a minute after the players are done and they've cleared the room, I want to you know set this mag lock back. I want to reset this puzzle. And you can go through this whole electronic checklist that will automate to reset the anything that's tied into the room like that. And we actually, we were talking about how we call them stories, and they have those epilogues and, and prologues, etc. So when the epilogue is done, the story state is referred to as ended. So everything is done. They've won or they've lost, and the players have left the room. So it's essentially in reset mode, right? So what we train our sites to do is they go in, they reset the room using the checklist or not. You know, if you're experienced game masters, know what they're doing typically. Get the room all ready. And when they come back in, there's a button that says reset. They click the reset button. The room goes back to an idle state. And why that's important is the room is ready for play. So anybody at the facility that's helping running, a game master and owner, can see, oh, the room is idle. We're good. They can go on in. Because I've seen numerous escape rooms, whether I'm a player or I've been helping install M3, where it, you'll see a game master go, hey, uh, is, is, is that room reset? Are we ready for plays? Do, do we need to check? And they'll run and look in the room. Is everything reset? This gives you a digital way to, a digital checklist to make sure, okay, the room's idle, we're good. We even have a overview screen that we typically have uh, recommend that they put up in the control room that shows all of the active stories at that location and their status. Are they running? Are they idle, etc. with the time remaining? So you see like a uh, an overview of everything going on with your rooms. Does it make graphs? <laughs> I like graphs. I like graphs a lot. You know, like with all the data that you have. Or can you export it to an Excel so you can make your own graphs? Uh, we have XML and JSON, yeah, and we do have bar graphs, Errol. So oh, bar graphs, I do like graphs. You do. <laughs> you love spreadsheets and graphs and stats. I do. Yeah. I do. They're exciting and fun. That's why it's exciting, you know, to get all of the uh, mm-hmm. to get all of the data and just to see things like, oh, how long did it take these people to solve it? Oh no, my puzzle sucks. <laughs> Well, like, like I said, a lot of rooms want to know how long something takes. Like it, the success rate might be fine, right? It might be nice and high, but they're spending you know twenty percent of their time on one puzzle. That may not be what they intended, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it it would also be interesting. I know that'd be hard to track because you can't count on game masters to keep track of it. But Ruby, to Ruby's question, keeping track of players. Feelings. feelings just <laughs> just just like have a heart rate monitor on them or something <laughs> well no there's oh, actually wow, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> there's facial recognition software out there i don't know how advanced it's gotten i i've got to see a prototype of one where if you look at it it can tell you if you're sad you're happy you're surprised or you're angry and it tells you that and it records it 
Mm. So, yeah. How many times has Errol rolled his eyes? I should do a more leader thing. Oh, wow. Don't get her upset. <laughs> With the software, it makes the game master's job a bit easier, I guess. It be, the, their job becomes more monitoring the status, like the status of the software, rather than keeping a complete eye out on the room. What do you find that the... How do you find that the game masters benefit from this uh, in other ways? Like, does that mean they can focus more on the customer service side of things? Is their time more freed up so they can, like, do other jobs around the facility? I think it's more tied to uh, the game master experience is more straightforward and they have a lot of tools that, you know, again, like the checklist where they can track. It makes their experience a little easier. But what we've learned is it also makes the player experience better. And the reason is like I was talking about before, the, the game masters know exactly where they are. There's no, did they solve this or didn't they? You know, I think we've all been in rooms where you got the question, hey, did you already find the key in the thing? Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so whether it's automated or not, if the game master's at least keeping you know positive track of where things are so that they can check it off the list, that right there removes that element from happening in the room with the players. So the game master always... You know, from a player's perspective, knows exactly where they are. So you don't get that odd disruption of, yes, we've already solved that. No, we already found that and it didn't work. Because, I mean, I haven't done, like I said, even 50 escape rooms yet. And that's happened to me two dozen times. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's really about that because not only is it helping the game master, but it's, in my opinion, helping the player experience. You know, it'd be cool. You know, sometimes some rooms. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it'd be cool. The podcast. You know, sometimes you'd have an escape room, you'd need to wear something for advice. Like, I remember when I did one of those, um, one of those escape rooms. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of those. But a laser maze escape room, oh. they required you to wear something on your hand to make sure that you went past. Yeah. Mm. And it's kind of neat if you would have, most escape rooms would have that, and then you could keep track of an MVP, the who's solving it the most and different, who's just sitting there doing nothing. That'd be me. So yeah. you basically want a, you want a shame list. Yeah, you want to sh- do shame And list? then it's posted right when you escape the door. This guy did nothing. He yeah. sat in the chair. Oh, imagine if you could have like some, you could track them on a overhead Yeah, track map. what pressure's on the chair for yeah. the whole room. No, 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 you could track a, on an overhead map of where the person is all the time. You could see them just looping around the room doing nothing. That'd be me. That'd be fun too. Sorry. That'd be just... It'll be fun for you or for players. Or for owners or for game masters. Just me, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Track of people. Uh-huh. You know, if I knew that was happening, then I would start tracing out things on the map and walk in a big E or something like that. Oh, just dear. So that would, like, anyway, heat signatures of where I am. But, you know, something, something that occurred to me that um, we aren't showing visually, but we do track is not only obviously we're tracking the, the time to complete an objective and, you know, in between, but we track the number of players in a room as well. Mm, that's nice. So, okay, so you can weigh those two together, right? So if two players are having a really hard time with an objective, but, you know, five, six, it's much smaller and much more reduced, you can see trends there as well. That, and I, that's actually me going, you know, that would be neat if... So I'm actually writing that down on to-do... <laughs> Because we actually track both of those pieces of data, so making that correlation is easy. Yes. And then maybe we could convince rooms that having 12 people rooms is not exactly fun for anybody. (laughs) Uh Unless you can design it so that 12 people are engaged. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. The player hat comes on when I hear stuff like that. And is what, however many simultaneous activities you can have in a room should be your player limit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's a good. That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. yeah. But then most of the player limits will be three. <laughs> <laughs> well, and right, and that's probably a little extreme, but you know what I mean, right? If I, I was in a room that, and I'm gonna be honest, it was a good room. It was fun, uh, but there were six of us in a room that probably should have been three. It was a six by eight room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, we were friendly, let's just say that. <laughs> you know, for the most part, a lot of the rooms that we do are five or six, and they're fine with five or six. Yeah. I think it, things just get difficult when it gets up to 10 to 12. Yeah. yeah. Now, mm. I would say that a lot of the five to six rooms here in Toronto that we do are, are good for five or six, for the most part. I don't know. We, we just we always do it with four, though, we usually. We do do it with yeah. four. Yeah. yeah. We do do it with four. Once you get to six, it's pushing. But then that's usually when I usually sit back and don't do anything. 
so when you say pushing, you mean we push the other two in a corner and said, "All right, we're gonna solve this." Now, if it's a scary room, then it doesn't matter because then already half the team is just out because they're too busy cowering. It's yes. true. I am looking in there, man. Oh, quiet. <laughs> I'm fine. No, you are. Well, no, I'm actually, not. No. Echo is probably holding on to you at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine, actually. If there are more scared people than not scared people, I try to lower my scaredness to, you know, make up for that. <laughs> I did this room uh, in uh, Williamsburg uh, that was, you started off basically in a, in, a, in a kill room, right? So you're in the, you're in the uh, serial killer's main room where all the bodies are hidden, etc. And they're all hanging, and it's completely pitch black. So the first thing you have to do is find a light, of course, right? I'm in there with um, my wife and daughter, and my daughter's like, yeah, I'm just going to stand by the door. You guys tell me if you need help. <laughs> I'm not moving. <laughs> so do you do a lot of escape rooms with your family? I, My wife and I have done the majority together, yes. Uh, my daughter has not done all of them. She's a dancer, so she's dancing all the time. So uh, while she's dancing, my wife and I have absconded and, and done a few without her. She's not necessarily happy about that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, you also mentioned before that, you know, your wife's a singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and she's a triple threat, really. Oh, uh, really? A, yeah, she does uh, dance, sing, and act. She's actually done, uh, she's acted on television and in movies, and uh, she's all over the place, my wife. And you like Disney th- songs and films. <laughs> oh, yeah, in fact, uh, it, we're going on a Disney cruise in like three weeks, oh. so we're, we're big Disney nerds. I've been on two of them. I really enjoy them as well. You know. All right, site. Sidetrack. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask which which cruises did you do? Which boats? Oh, I carry. I did this like almost eight years ago. It's up there. It so, says oh, wait, Disney. Oh, wait, it's on a picture. It's, Hold on. It's Disney Wonder. Oh, Disney Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have the picture from the cruise. So good thing you know. One of that. them. Yeah, I was like, I swear, the picture. We we've been very fortunate because they have uh, the the Wonder and the Magic were the two original boats. We've actually been able to do all four. We we oh. just. Love- <laughs> so do you like parodies and like to write parodies about escape since rooms? You're, since your wife's a and singer and all? And your wife to sing them? <laughs> uh, uh, no comment. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I will. I'm writing this down. <laughs> um, but you have to understand, I, I have... Um, I have the wor- wor- my according to my wife the world's worst humor. I I am king of dad jokes. Oh well, that's um, okay. You know, you know. I think I all Captain dads Pun. are. I think I think you and Errol need a date. <laughs> <laughs> I think the date needs to be recorded. Yeah. I think it was really funny because I was at a work meeting and another dad was there and he was chairing the meeting and then of course he makes he notice you know how dads will look at or just we'd look at a presentation and notice that the word butt might be in there somewhere and then chuckle to ourselves for about five minutes because the word butt was said <laughs> and so he and myself were sitting there chuckling to ourselves ah butts in there <laughs> and the other people going could you just continue on with the meeting and we're going ah butt <laughs> Yeah, see, my my wife has my sense of humor, so my wife is constantly like, "No," because she's trapped between two of us. <laughs> so, that, I mean, we, what we could even do is we could like take some of my old songs and then just have different singers on it. There you go. Are we that lazy now? Well, I mean, that... that's still still we could be showcasing other singers. There you go. I have a lot of Disney songs sung by. Uh, up front with a female singer that could be redone, you know. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, and you've done some really good ones on your former podcasts, I must say. Oh, yes. yeah, on the earlier the podcasts. Earlier, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when, the, when this year started, we stopped doing songs. Yeah. Because it was hard. <laughs> we'll get back to them at some point. Time yeah. commitment. Next year. Next year. Next year. Uh, so, I mean, I can definitely appreciate your software process because you went in every Saturday to game master those rooms to really learn the business, to really incorporate and apply that feedback, your own feedback into the software and make it better as it went on. Now, there are there is a lot of software out there because I've, I've actually seen a lot of behind the scenes with escape rooms and they've done a lot of similar software and... Uh, Toronto houses one of the experts in the escape room world who spent <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars in R&D on his tech and his software and whatever. So uh, what would you say that M3's strengths are in terms of, you know, if if one of these escape room owners were to approach you to say, why would I take your software versus this escape room owner software? So 
two things is what I would focus on. One is, you know, in terms of uh, hardware and tech and things like that, uh, unparalleled platform in terms of hardware support. Uh, I don't think there's anybody out there that can match us for that. So you can do anything you want technologically with your room. And as long as that prop can talk on a network, we can talk to it and work with it. Uh, you know, what, and again, like having Z-Wave and DMX. And I'll tell you, DMX is something that I think escape rooms can really benefit from that I haven't seen a lot of penetration on yet uh, as a lighting technique, for, especially for some of the rooms that have haunting and other themes. But uh, like secondarily... Errol, let him answer. <laughs> it's a good answer. It's also Great a rapper name. <laughs> oh, it's a rapper name. Okay. Uh, it's a lighting protocol, sir. I'm taking your geek card away. <laughs> and it's not BMX, it's D. Oh. <laughs> so you integrate with DMX. And Philips Hue Z Wave, you know, and we're going to be, we're actually adding more as we go. But the bottom line is, what I would tell you as a software vendor, it's not my job to tell you how to build or run your room. It's my job to give you a platform to do what you want, right? Uh, and that's how we see software development. And then the other side of it is what I already talked about is with the Game Master experience. Because one thing I noticed when we got involved last year working with escape rooms is it, it really is hard to manage a room in software. Uh, and how can you make that, like I said, how can you keep the Game Master sane and some of the things we do with the objectives and the checklists and trying to automate processes so that they're, you know, if you have tech in the room, they can automatically trigger the completion of objectives. So that's happening automatically in the game masters, just monitoring. And because all of your clues are context sensitive, if they're working on a particular puzzle, you know exactly what clues you need to give them. There's no guessing, right? And there's no like 30 second delay where they're fumbling to try to find the right clue to give somebody. We try to look at it from both angles, how to operate a room and how to experience a room. So you were, I, I think, I don't know if I saw this on your website, but do you also help a lot with haunts as well? Or is it mostly with escape rooms? We do have a few haunts. Um, escape rooms is predominantly what we do, but we do have, and we actually, the software has an attraction mode so that if you have, say, a 30 minute loop, it'll automatically go back to zero and you know, recycle through like a haunt would do. So you could trigger props and events and things. Um, so we do have a few, yeah. And it really comes out of the fact that there's a lot of escape room owners that come from the haunt industry. So they have both. And we've had some that have implemented M3 in their escape rooms. And they said, well, wait a minute, I could use this for my haunt. That's a lot easier. And they've done exactly that. Oh, cool. Nice. And if anybody wanted to find your software, where can they go? MythricMysteryMaster.com. <laughs> Yeah, M-Y-T-H-R-I-C. Wait, can, you can you do that again as DMX? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the bike? <laughs> oh and I, I can do it in Disney fashion. M-Y-T-H-R-I-C-M. No, anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we're on Facebook, too, and everything, so you're, you know, certainly can Google us. No, no, you're, I was looking at you, man pants. Okay, we're all looking at each other. Like, <laughs> I think no they're knows. both looking at I'm you. I'm trying to make sure that I don't ready. go off on another tangent. I'm okay. good. Okay. Because I'll start talking about video games again. That's true. No, but then you're focused If you on go with video doing. games, I'll start talking about video games. That's oh. not good. So thank you so much, David, for, for joining us today and for telling us about, about your software. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been great. And uh, Errol, we'll talk more gaming elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should be on our chat. He is. He came on. Oh, that's right. He joined. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I haven't been on it that much. Oh, no, you haven't. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Take us away, man pants. Man pants. Okay. So, uh, crap. What is our thing? Room, room Escape, escape Divas. Divas. I was going to say, oh, room I was going to say Room Escape Artist. And I was oh, like, that's wow. not who we are. What happened? Well, you know what's really funny about that? I know. It's a relatively good tangent. It's a little bit of drama, too. So oh. I won't say who, but apparently there are not there was an instance where someone would write an owner and tell them, Hey, I am such and such. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so can I have your room for free? 
and then I will talk about you nicely on my blog. So now they're pretending to be bloggers. Bloggers. Yeah. I'm like high profile bloggers just to get into their rooms. And it's like, what? But they're not emailing from the email addresses. Yeah, I know. I think I think it's a very, you know, it's not a very good attempt. No. But, you know, if somebody's not paying attention, they could probably go in there and go, oh. And then if you don't know their faces, yeah. if you don't know who they are, like if you are not part of the industry... And for example, if but if you're an oh, owner and you're not reading up on these things, then there's a problem there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they, then they, you know, if somebody came to me, uh, sorry, if you, if any owner out there suddenly meets someone and they say, "Hello, I'm Errol." Now I would probably do that. Actually, no, I try not to tell who I am. No, you got like super afraid when I wore our Room Escape Divas shirt into an <laughs> escape room. You're like, so you're just advertising us now. <laughs> what? And, and I don't want anybody to know who I am, and I don't, I don't want, I don't want them to give me rooms for free. But what if they give you popcorn? Well, if they give me popcorn, hopefully they would give me popcorn anyway. Regardless, what if they gave of who you I eggs? Am. They gave me eggs, fried eggs on rice. Oh, oh, wait, I don't know if I trust. Like here, here's an egg. <laughs> Where, what if they hate? It came from their replicator. Watermelon. <laughs> Room Escape Davis is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts Don't just like this one. Room. You can also go to our Facebook page, click the like button, uh, and then you can find us on Twitter on the hashtag redivas. And if you'd like to email us, we are roomescapedivas at gmail.com. And we do check it regularly. Okay. Mike and Errol both have their shirts over their heads, so we're going to sign off there. Thanks. Bye bye. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye bye. Oh, I messed up the ending. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I mean, more ending. so than usual. Yeah. I, yeah.